Hey folks, welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. You know sometimes when you go to the movies, you want something big, you want something loud, you want something explosive, you want people in capes flying through the air, you want to see super things, you want to hear superheroes yell, fight, and vanquish supervillains. Other times, you want something that's a little more grounded in reality, something that you can kind of almost reach out and touch. Well, no matter what your mood is today, you'll find it here at the House of Crust. So we're really glad that you've swung by. Stephen Amell is a Canadian actor. If you think back, you would have seen him in Queer as Folk, Regenesis, Rented Goalie. Right now, though, he is best known for his star-making performance as Oliver Queen. Who's Oliver Queen, you might ask? Well, that's the Green Arrow in the Arrowverse television franchise. He is a big deal in the superhero land, and he's going to be an even bigger deal on the big screen playing Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Out of the Shadows. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. First up, though, Rebecca Miller is here. Rebecca Miller is a filmmaker and a novelist. You might know her movies, Personal Velocity, Three Portraits, The Ballad of Jack and Rose, The Private Lives of Pippa Lee, which if you're a fan of House of Cards and Robin Penn or Robin Wright, I should rightly call her now, Robin Wright, uh, you should check out the, the Private Lives of Pippa Lee. Uh, on, a, on a less important biographical note, although it comes up in everything that's ever been written about her, uh, she is Daniel Day-Lewis's wife, she is Arthur Miller's daughter, but she's a really great filmmaker on her own. She has a new movie now called Maggie's Plan. This is uh, something a little different from her. Uh, her films have tended to be sort of searing personal portraits of people in trouble, people searching for things, and that's certainly an element of Maggie's plan. But this is more of a screwball comedy, and it stars one of my favorites, Greta Gerwig is in here, Ethan Hawke, who's been at the House of Krauss before. But I spoke with Rebecca Miller about making this film, about adapting it from a novel, it's the first time she's done that. It's not the first time she's adapted from a novel. It's the first time she's adapted from a novel she didn't write. We had a really interesting conversation. Here it is, Rebecca Miller. I have to tell you, uh, just off the top, I think I'm biased for anything with Greta Gerwig. I'm 90% oh, of the way in already. Uh, I, I love her. Can you tell me, as a filmmaker, I know what I respond to as a as a moviegoer. What is it, do you think, that connects her to audiences as, from a filmmaker's point of view? Well, I think um, she's fallible um, and yet intelligent and um, has... A, I mean, I think as a as as a performer, what 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 she has that's really something is that you can really read all her feelings on her face. She's very transparent, and you really understand. And I know with our film, like every little thing, like when she gets, you know, when she gets the parking ticket after she's been thrown out of the house, out of Georgette's house, and Julianne Moore throws her out, or you know, in the expression on her face, or when she starts to get upset when Bill Hader 
kind of harangues her, and then she sits down, and she, t- you know, her, she's so full of her emotions and her thoughts are very, very readable. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think people relate to her in some special way. I really do. I've always thought that she looks so natural on screen that it must be first takes. You just capture some sort of lightning in a bottle, but it's not that way with her, is it? No, not at all. And in fact, you know, in this film, I mean, I think if you really think about it, she's created a character that's Mm -hmm. very um, particular and specific to this film. Yeah, and she's wonderful in the film. So I, 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 I know, as I said, I know how I respond to her, and I'm just curious, in a in a more professional sense, you know, what it, what it is for filmmakers that seem to attract uh, them to her. Um, yeah, I mean, she also had like for this particular project, she had a combination of. Um, I thought that she would have that co- weird combination of intelligence and innocence that could be made into Maggie. I mean, she's played a lot of different kinds of characters, you know, um, and her characters are different, although there's some essential self always in a, in, a, in a person, I think, that, you know, that somehow remains. But um, she has that, you know, where you believe that she could be a little bit manipulative and yet disarming. Now, let's talk about the, the story itself. It was uh, written... Uh, or as an unpublished novel, the source material is an unpublished novel, Um, you've referred to this in your blog as sort of letting go. What does that mean? Well, in a sense, you know, because up until now, I've either written a screenplay from scratch or I've based it on my own books. Um, Basing it on someone else's book was letting go of the initial uh, impulse to make the film, like not the initial impulse, but the initial, um, in a way, the, you know, when you make vinegar, there's a mother. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of like that thing was given to me. And then I built around it, you know, so, and that had a certain power. Um, and like, um, and the triangle. So there's an emotional geometry between Georgette, John, and Maggie that was very potent. And then I went and I changed the characters, especially the character of Maggie got changed quite a lot. Um, and then I added, you know, the friends and the pickle man, you know, uh, the Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph characters weren't there and the pickle man wasn't there. And a lot of the story wasn't there because it's, it's, it, it, it's a, it's a str- the Maggie chapters are one strand of a novel that has five characters in it. So um, it's just one strand of the novel. And so she didn't build out a lot of the stuff that I had to build out later. And also because I was really trying to make a, this more of a screwball romantic comedy. And, and I was sort of interested in that particular form. And I thought this idea would be good for that. What do you think it was then about the, the Maggie strand in this novel that made you say, yeah, I'll spend a couple of years of my life with her and working on this project? I just, you know, I was looking for certain things. I was looking for something that could be funny, that could be set in New York, and that I could connect to um, in, a, in a certain way. And I think that, you know, because I guess it was in the air a little bit, and, for example, uh, I had been, I remember some months before I received these chapters in the in email, um, Julianne Moore said to me, 
we have we had coffee and she was talking about not the same kind of story but something that wasn't that different that was essentially the story of a woman who had left her marriage started a new family blended a family and then found herself in a kind of organizational pickle where she was constantly having to like you know figure out other people's ski holidays and she's thinking why again did I do this <laughs> and so like the whole idea that I just thought I wonder if people could connect to this to this idea that or you know that that how complicated it is to be a person right now and how complicated how many choices we have and also like my best friend was somebody who had a baby sort of with somebody, but basically on her own. She always knew that ultimately she was going to be on her own. And, you know, that was in my head, too. So there were a lot of things that I felt like it was sort of in the air, and it felt very real to me and um, had a lot of, I don't know, in that sense, had a lot of juice in it, the idea. And then also I just love, I love complex, in a way, geometry where I can connect different people in different ways and where you can completely change relationships over the course of a, a film, like, you know, the relationship of Georgette and Maggie and how that completely, you know, shifts by the end of the film. And I love feeling like maybe you could have earned that. You know, that's that's a lot of fun. I loved the two of them together. Yeah. I liked oh, seeing them together because I wasn't sure... As a, as a viewer, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. It seemed very adult at certain points and not so much at other points. And, yeah. and I loved watching them together. Yeah. Well, they're fun, and they're so wonderful together. Mm -hmm. and, and it's fun to just watch watch their relationship grow, I think. Now, you said in the, the last answer, you know, that lives are complicated. We have such complicated lives now. Is it not true, I think, that maybe the lives have always been complicated? We just respond differently now because we are constantly bombarded with information and, and the, the, the way that our lives are complicated are a little different. Absolutely. I think lives have always been complicated. I just think the, there are more and more options that are acceptable, you right. know, than there were even 10, 15 years ago that are truly acceptable, you know, that, that where, you know, you can have a baby uh, through a donor, you can have a baby with someone of the same sex, you could have a baby with a friend, you can have a baby, you know, and, like, and no one raises an eye anymore. Well, it isn't, you know, there's gay marriage, there's all these things that have happened. We almost take for granted now that it's possible, but it really was much more unusual. 10 or 15 years ago. So we're living in this kind of very fast, this, this world that has a lot of options um, and a lot more confusion. Like it's all, it's great in some ways, but it also, with freedom comes responsibility, that old chestnut, you know. <laughs> Uh, you, you mentioned you wanted to shoot a film in New York. I should probably know this about you, but are you a, a, were you born in New York? I was. You were, so is it just part of you want to you relate to the city in a in a different way than people that weren't and or or you want to show your love of the city why make a film well i mean i i mean on a totally practical level i wanted to make a movie in new york because i was living here i had come back here we lived in ireland for years and we then we as a primary or primary place that we lived and then we kind of shifted it here for a time and i was both excited to be here but also i had young ish children still in the house and so for me to live and work in the same place was important and um also i think that i 
had a real appreciation and love for the city that I didn't, um, you know, when you've been living here forever, you don't necessarily appreciate it that much. But when you come back to the place and you suddenly everything looked so beautiful and so appealing and so wonderful. And, and you know, I had had a great time living in a very, very different circumstance in a rural circumstance. And so, but suddenly everything was so close and you could... You know, I was suddenly get able to see my friends and meet them in the park, and the park became really important, Washington Square Park. And so all my love and my feeling for the actual exact places that are in the movie um, kind of spilled out, I think, into the screen. I love the scene in the film uh, where Julianne Moore's character, uh, sort of, I guess, reviews Ethan Hawke's book by handing him a bag of ashes uh, and says, you know, please, you know, take this back. Um, yeah. Uh, so this story, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I hear that this is sort of garnered from real life in some way. Well, only the part where I burnt the, I did burn someone's book um, when I was in college. <laughs> but there wasn't a book they had written, to be oh, fair. Okay. It was only a book they had lent to me, and I was angry at them, and so I burnt it. In the, you know, my salad days are much more phlegmatic now, or what's the word? That's much a, more calm. Much more <laughs> calm. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> It seems to me this is the kind of movie that we will be seeing more and more and more of because of a, a trend, I think, recently towards uh, gender equality in, in, in Hollywood. Do you see that as a, a trend, or um, is this something that, as a, a female filmmaker, maybe you're just sick of talking about? Well, I mean, I think that there's definitely a heightened awareness at this moment. Um, I, You know, I mean... I love working with the right people. You know, I mean, I just to put things in perspective, my producing partner, Damon Cardasis, is a man. Right, okay. You know, the, yeah. the DP was a man. I did work with Rachel Horvitz on this film, and I did, of course, um, you know, work with Karen's uh, novel. I just think I'm open. Like, I'm wide open. And so, um, and per, you know, I like to have a balance. I think a balance of some men and some women in a project. I think I may be on a little more on the side of women in this project. I'm not sure, really. I think it might be more, almost like works out to be close. Um, uh, that's really ideal for me, where it's like you're not only one sex. I think only one sex creates a, a, a rather lopsided feeling on set, whereas a, a nice mix is good. Um, and that, that's how I like to work. I do think that there's perhaps a heightened awareness and that people maybe are just going to think, second-guess themselves for a second to think, oh, maybe would I consider a different director for this project than I, you know, that, that what than the one I thought originally thought of, and that would be the best. But for me, the ideal is that that perhaps we think less about the sex of directors and more about their capabilities and what they could be doing and how they could surprise you, you know, how they could how a director could do something a little different from what they've done before, as they really do with, with men a lot of the time. So I think that the more it's thought of as individuals, I think the better off we'll be. I felt when I was watching him, and with Greta as well, that I was watching people that should be in New York. They yes. like New Yorkers to me, you know? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> they, That's pretty much the only place for them. Probably. Exactly. Well, they just felt like they were in their natural habitat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's Rebecca Miller, director and screenwriter of Maggie's Plan. Check it out. Julianne Moore is hilarious in this movie. She's as loose and funny as she's ever been in anything. You want to see her, and you always want to see Greta Gerwig, because for my money, she is one of the best actors working today in film. She makes interesting choices in material, in performance. I love watching her. Check her out in Maggie's Plan. Stephen Amell, much different kind of movie. If you're in for big, bombast, loud, turtles on the half shell, uh, you are probably going to want to check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Uh, We talk about his love of the turtles when he was a bit younger, didn't know the comics, liked the movies. We'll get to the conversation in a sec. I was never a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan because I I think I was just a little bit too old. I missed the hump. I missed the comics, which were subversive. They were probably R-rated when they first started. Uh, And then the movies came along and the, the cartoons came along and kind of smoothed out some of the rough edges, the subversive edges and turned them into a real kid-friendly franchise that was everywhere. Uh, Then they disappeared for a little while. Now they're back, and Stephen Amell is co-starring with them in Out of the Shadows. He plays Casey Jones. If you're a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you'll know that Elias Kuteus played Casey Jones in the first movies. You'll also know that he wears a hockey mask, and he brings down bad guys with a hockey stick. Here's Stephen Amell. So there's about 30 years of Turtles lore out there. What was the thing that grabbed you when you were a kid about them? The live action film yeah. just did it for me. I mean, I, I'm a, I watched the cartoon a little bit, but I've always ingested superheroes, especially comic book superheroes via feature films, right. like Superman, Batman, Christopher Reeves, Michael Keaton, all that stuff. And when they did the live action Turtles movie, I remember my brain not being able to fully comprehend how they were going to do this. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, th- those were those were seminal moments in my childhood. And what do you think it is that's kept them popular for all this time? I mean, we're 30 years out, 1984, I think, when the comics yep. started coming out. Movies were a bit later. What is it? You know, it's such a, it's this unique idea, and it's so unique that it just tends to be universal. Yeah. I don't know what the secret sauce is. Otherwise, <laughs> I would create my own Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> And I would just sit back and collect the royalties 30-some-odd years later. But uh, at the baseline of this entire experience, we are talking about the relationship of four brothers, right? right? And the relationship as you struggle through adolescence. And I feel like whether you have brothers, sisters, close friends, any type of family, everyone can relate to that in some way, shape, or form. And you're playing Casey Jones. Yeah. Now, you would have grown up watching the movies, and Casey Jones played by Elias Coteus in those films. Yeah. Uh, Tell me a little bit about stepping into those shoes. Well, I didn't think of it from that perspective so much. I thought this is a successful franchise, and um, I have some experience joining a television show in a third season, and I have some experience through Arrow uh, playing a character that people have an expectation of. So all I wanted to do was just bring enthusiasm to the role, and they did me a big solid by giving my Casey Jones a, a very unique backstory within the entire canon of, of Turtles history, which is that I am a corrections officer, I want to become a detective, and it's just not working out for me. Right. right? So that really motivates everything that I do throughout the movie. And you get to wear a hockey mask and, and use a hockey stick. That's right. Which is cool. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you, do you yeah, feel well, yeah, I mean, a I'm finally, connection? I mean, I'm finally back in Toronto doing press, <laughs> yeah. and they always ask to like, so do you know how to play hockey? And I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like asking someone from Mexico if they know how to speak Spanish. It's like, of course, I know how to play hockey. I played until I was like 14, 15. Yeah, yeah. Casey Jones in the movie is supposed to be from uh, Alphabet City in Manhattan, but I felt like, I felt like he should be. Canadian, and that right. they should cast uh, Canadian. So I'm glad that I got the chance. The mask didn't fit very well, though, I hear, though. Is that right? That's correct. It gave yeah. me a sinus infection. Oh, no. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it pushed here for a couple of days, and then um, it was allergy season in New York and very dusty and all that stuff, and all of a sudden I just... Clawed I felt up. like my teeth were going to crack. It's brutal. They, they had to bring a doctor on set really? because I turned to the executive producer, and I'm like, I've never baked off work before. I can't focus... He's like, I'll have a guy here in 30 minutes. And in those scenes, are you working against a green screen? I guess you are. Are there actors in front of you? Are there yeah, there, in yeah absolutely. Yeah. There are actors. Uh, uh, Jeremy, Pete, uh, Alan, and Noel play the Turtles. And they bring so much of the emotion that you see when you watch these Turtles. Um, they will never get the credit that they deserve for how nuanced their performance is. Um, so you are doing it, but you have to look above their heads. Because they're because, because they're six feet tall, they're, they're nine feet tall, feet right? Tall, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They actually told me they're like uh, Raphael is nine foot one and <laughs> and uh, or whatever it was. But uh, then you eventually have to do a scene. Once you get the scene on its feet, they usually do a clean plate shot. So you are doing the scene with literally nothing there. Right. But no green screens. It's we're past the point of green screens right. now. It's just ILM just paints turtles they, in there. They make magic with it. They make magic. <laughs> Now, playing characters like this, you mentioned earlier you're used to playing a character that fans have great expectations for. Mm -hmm. Is it best just to wipe away their expectations? You alluded to this, but how do you do it? Because you must get mail. You're very active on social media. Right. People must be commenting to you all the time. Well, when it comes to actually making the character yours in the beginning, it's incredibly important to basically listen to no one. Um, look at what's on the page. Talk to the director. Talk to the producers and the writers. Right. And do your own thing. Because if you try and appease the sentiments that surround a role like this, then it's going to feel like nobody did it. It's going to feel like no one played the role. I want it to feel like I played Casey Jones. So from that perspective, I just I try to shut all of that stuff out. It must kind of blow your mind that... You know, when you were, however old you were, when you were first watching those movies, mm -hmm. that there's going to be other kids now yeah. watching you. Yeah, and getting hooked. It's on the pretty program. cool, man. It's it's a really great franchise to be a part of. It's 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 amazing to play a character like Casey Jones, and the fact that this movie is going to open. I was just at Young Dundas Square, and we're just it's overrun with turtles posters, and it's like, oh my god, this is this is dream come true. Well, that's it. That's it. We're all over the place tone-wise here. There's superheroes. There's Greta Gerwig. There's Rebecca Miller. There's Stephen Amell. Thanks to everybody for dropping by. Most of all, thanks to you for coming by. I know you come by every week. You give us a little knock at the door. We open it up and welcome you in for a conversation. But now it's time for you to hit the road. Get out of here. Go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows or go see Maggie's Plan. Whatever you do, you just can't hang around here until next week. Every Monday we put up a new episode. We always look forward to you coming by for another visit. And, you know, stop by every week. Check us out every week because you never know who's going to come by for a visit. It might be one of your favorite people.